0: episode two. We're back at it, huh, King?
1: How you feeling over there, big guy? Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good, man. I'm ready to uh, get this thing going so everybody can hear what we got to say, because uh, yeah. most of the times what I have to say is is pretty good, and what you have to say <laughs> is pretty bad, so I need, to, I need to make sure I state my case. Oh, I, I see the type of energy you're giving off today. Yeah.
0: <laughs> As you can see, you know, Jupac, my my guy is back in action. You know, I'm gonna have a new nickname for you next week too because you're giving me different energy all the time. You know, you're looking like George Lynch today. <laughs> no, I'll be that. I'll yeah. be that. It was nice, but first, let's say, um, let's give ourselves a little pat on the back for finally getting that first episode out. Right, we've been talking about doing a podcast. Two years, even before. I think before I told you you needed to do one because you had so much basketball game. And then as soon as we got to Dubai last year, I was like, yo, we have to do it, right? Right. And now it's kind of therapeutic. So let's, you know, let's have a little round of applause, a silent round of applause, right? We're clapping. You guys can't see it. We're clapping (laughs) for ourselves because we got that first one out. Because, you know, me, I'm a perfectionist. I wanted to have it in the studio, I wanted to have a backdrop. I wanted to be video and audio. But, you know, sometimes you just got to roll with the punches and, and get the idea out there.
1: As always, man, you, you got to crawl before you can walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. it's. I think it's better this way. So everybody knows that, um, that they can understand the genesis of how this thing is is, is starting right. and see that we're starting from the ground up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And that's how we're, you know, we're here in Dubai, living away from home through all this turmoil in the world, starting a new basketball company. And so everything we're doing right now is is starting the foundation. So I think this is the best thing for us right now. For sure. Well,
0: thank you guys to our first-time listeners. I guess everybody's a first-time listener, right? (laughs) Yeah. So thank you for everybody that did listen, Um, anybody that's coming on now. um, This is the Bridging the Gap podcast. Uh, We're live from Dubai. I'm Ryan Yates, the young OG of it. Well, OG, my old head, Julian King is here. Um, we, I gotta, I gotta make one correction from last podcast. I was trying to plug our website for Hoop Mountain Dubai and I gave it a wrong website. Of course, it was written right in all the descriptions and things, but I said hoopmountaindubai.ae. Wrong, 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 wrong. Our website is hoopmountain.ae. Again, hoopmountain.ae. Um, that's for everyone in the UAE that wants to get out and work out, get in the gym, get your game right. Um, that's us. Go go look at the website. We have a bio video up there so you guys can get to know us, see what our basketball experience is like and things like that. But other than that, let's
1: check in. King, how you, how you feeling over there? Again? I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. Before we get off that let me just say even if you've never played basketball before you've never watched the game whatever just come and experience it one time um we have free trials for everybody um you know because you don't want to limit yourself in the things that you do outside of your normal favorite sports so just come give us a try see what we're about and um i guarantee you you'll definitely like our personalities and the way we approach the game
0: absolutely man um let's check in let me start with me I feel, I feel good. I feel good. I feel real good, man. You know, I, I got back to, uh, we, we got back. So we've been moving for like, well like two months or something, three yeah. months, pretty much. We've been moving into a new place. Um, moving is always tough, right? But moving in a different country where the practices are completely different, the way you negotiate, the way you Pay for stuff like everything is just different, and then throw in the fact that you know it might be a pandemic right now as well you know we've we've been going crazy trying to make our new places feel like homes and gradually we're getting there, so what that means is you know it's usually chaotic right you usually have a in your place when you're comfortable at home, you have a routine, so you get into you work out certain days you get into um you get into different programs maybe. Maybe you join a club somewhere. You find your favorite grocery store. You know, you can do those little things. Like <laughs> I gotta pick up a, a loaf of bread real quick or go here. So we have we've we've just adjusted to that. Um and so now I've been taking swimming lessons. I was taking swimming lessons last year. And and I had done it. And you know, this is a humble moment too, because I'm like six, seven. I can hoop. I okay, can. I gotta swag. Like I, ate too many things I can't do. Right? I'm that jack of all trades. I can do a lot, but I couldn't swim. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I'm I'm gonna eat that. You know, I'm I'm here in Dubai. I want to jump off a yacht soon. And 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 swim in the Maldives. I want to do all that stuff. So let me just go ahead and, and learn how to swim. And ironically enough, I found out there are a lot of adults, even here, who don't know how to swim. So I started that back up. And you know what my favorite thing is about this week? I got a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> man, if you know the relationship between a black man and his barber, like I've had my same barber since the seventh grade. Like even in college, I wouldn't, I had one time in college to where I had to get a haircut from somebody else. And it was like, it just didn't feel right. Like I was hurt. Like, you know, when you get in your fade, you want to feel the comb scratching the back of your neck. You want to, you know when that thing, right. When you're getting out the chairs, like, yeah. Now everybody got to see me. Like since I got to Dubai, I haven't been able to do it. And I found one just before quarantine, but it's in Abu Dhabi. And Abu Dhabi is like a 45 minute, 50 minute drive. And with the uh, restrictions and things, I couldn't get there. I got there last night. Yes, sir. (laughs) And I'm back in action. So I'm going to be taking pictures on Instagram and everything. I'm going to show my face. (laughs) We're
1: getting there. We're getting there. What about you, man? You you know, I listen to you young guys, and and all you do is talk about today's hardships. You know, we're, we're in a new country. You know, yes, we've had to move to a new apartment and things like that. But let me just say this from an older guy with a little more experience than you. The problems that you're going through right now are nothing in comparison to what I went through when I first started playing overseas. Uh, You know, just the fact that any questions that you have in terms of language barrier, things like that, you guys have the Internet. You know, we were just getting started with that stuff, you know, and you guys that are my age know what I'm talking about. We all had AOL. And you kept your computer up all the time waiting for that little sound to come up and you look to see that little man running and know you had a message. Now, you know, you can instantly stay in contact with people back home or all around the world. And, you know, you guys are still complaining. Complaining, you know, yo. It, 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 when the last
0: time you had a cut? You matter of fact, you you lean on me to find a good cut. You send me out there like the guinea pig and go, <laughs> yo. Let me know how it is because I need one, right? Don't act like that, man. No, I, I get it. I don't have to handwrite the letters and stuff. That's but, a
1: compliment in yeah. that I trust
0: you. Oh, no, I compliment. trust your eye. You know, uh, I trust
1: your judgment and things like that. You know, but...
0: I, I got a good
1: fade, man. Shout out to my man, Raheem. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an hour away, just so you guys know that. So that's a trip he's got to make each week. And there's a, a lot of hoops he's got to jump through to get there. So yeah. sometimes you just got to wolf it out. For sure. No, listen,
0: I'm only going once a month, but you know, like... <laughs> My and my Mm -hmm. headline tricky, (laughs) right? Like, you understand you. Oh, yeah. I remember you told me, Does the barber listen, right? Because you know, (laughs) back home, your guy knows, like, look, don't worry about edging me up in the front, just get the back and the sides, make sure my beard looking tight. You know, we're gonna let it grow up top, right? You get here. We got a language barrier. Everybody don't have the right clippers. Like I've had times to where I thought about buying one of these barbers some Andes or a bevel. <laughs> like, like you might need some sharper stuff. You can't cut me with the wall. Like that's not gonna happen, man. Like that's tough. But but we got one, King. We got one once a month, you
1: know, yeah. and it's beautiful in AD too. For many reasons. You, can, you can definitely go, we can do once a month, make that trip. Yeah, but, for uh, sure. For you sure. know, the other stuff, we just got to thug it out. Yeah. You know, even you get a guy that doesn't listen, you know, then you, then you end up, I've done this a million times, taking matters in your own hands <laughs> and just trying to survive. You know, and I'm overseas, so I can get away with a lot of stuff that and I normally can't back home. So a, that's a fact. You talk about the tricky hairlines. I'm 47, <laughs> so you know mine is tricky. <laughs> you know, some other yeah. spots too, but yes, uh, yes, yes. You know, I'm not at the point now where I got to come on home just yet. Yeah. So, hey, uh, no, you you looking
0: better than KD, though. <laughs> i tell you that. So you got the crown, but that's the thing too. Like, you know, the one thing that the uh, pandemic did, but right before the pandemic, you know, I was looking at the self-cut. I was getting the bevel sent because you can't sit in everything when you're in Dubai. From the states here, like it's just different. Like, we they just got Amazon for um Dubai here, like maybe a couple of months ago. So I was I was short, man. I was going through it. But now I got more hair on my head than I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I like I had to grow it and then I was looking at it, and I was like, man, I might mess around and keep it and give me some AI braids, you know. You know yeah. AI, AI, my man, he had to switch Listen, up, man. but Listen. he never
1: really had any length on that thing though. I'm I'm not one to be talking about someone's fashion stuff. <laughs> but you can't you can't coach and be and talk to the kids looking like Chico Bean. You know, if y'all have watched 85 South, you know what I'm talking about. Man,
0: um, shout out to Chico though. That's a humble see. That's inspiration right there, man. You go out there and do it. But you talked about something that's interesting. Cause um we talk about living abroad as an overseas athlete. Um, we saw a lot of athletes that played overseas were kind of um Put off by the fact that the NBA players who had to be in a bubble were complaining about being away from family and all those other things. And as we were my listeners, I've been around you since I was like 14 or 15. And from from the time that like you came around, you always talked to me about you know, basketball can take you several different places. Like, you've been to 10 different countries. you played all over the place. You always told me that there's, there's other things for you to do, right? So I remember being there, sitting there, listening to you talk about playing overseas. And for me, I was like, dang, if I don't play in the league, because, you know, that's tough, I can go overseas and I'd be playing in any country and all these other things. And I know I'll talk about this later, but when it finally came down for me to – when it was 2015, I graduated college and I sat with my uncle, uncle, shout out to Uncle Ro. Um, and I talked to you and we really sat and looked at contracts and we really sat and looked at like situations. It's not so glamorous anymore. I'm not just looking <laughs> at it like you all get to go see the Eiffel Tower in between practices or games. Like yeah. that overseas life is different. Yeah. So you talk, set some light on that. So I think some people don't really understand what that grind is like.
1: Yeah, you know, these are conversations I've had with um, numerous players that have, um, you know, come under me and have gone on to college and things like that. And and everybody says, you know, coach, I want to try to make it to the league. And if not, you know, I definitely go overseas and and play. And uh, I say, you know, we always want to shoot for the top, but you got to understand that um, there's times in life where you just got to settle for certain things. But those things that you're actually settling on, in terms of if you happen to go overseas, whatever other people will kill for those opportunities. Um, but everybody um, does not have a glamorous situation when they're playing abroad. Um, you know, there's some guys that, you know, play in situations where um, they got to have a part-time job as well. There's, there's other times where you got to have numerous roommates and things like that. You may not have a car and um, you're kind of on your own outside of practice. You got to find your way around the town, whatever. King, did you just say you had to have an extra job some people yes. That's yes. that's nuts. Yes. Like, I was fortunate where I yeah. never had to deal with that, but I've seen some teams on in the lower leagues where guys actually had part-time jobs. And that's and that's being asked also to almost be like Jordan, you know, when the lights are on. Right, right. Talk about I think I
0: remember you telling me um you I think you were talking about going somewhere in South America as soon as you got off the plane <laughs> They were like, look, your contract say you're going to give me 20 and 5 every night. I need 27 and 7. And we playing one of the tougher teams in the nation, in the country, in two hours. Yeah. And it was just an eight-hour plane ride.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and a lot of my, my friends out there that are my age have played, they all know what I'm talking about. And I'm sure they'll start laughing. If you play anywhere in Latin America, there was times where you probably got off the plane and went immediately to the game. And they're expecting you to put up big numbers. You know, win or lose, they're expecting you to put up big numbers to show that you can, you know, score the ball because uh, they value that a lot down there. And so uh, I've seen um, I've seen guys, uh, you know, go there and uh, you know, you know, be jet lagged or, or be shocked with the environment, things like that. And um, I've seen guys have success. Some guys I fail. Feel my best friend, one of my best friends, RJ. Um, he
0: played, we played together at EMU, um, and then he graduated 2014. And he actually he actually took a year off, a year and a half off or whatever, just to get ready for overseas, you know, build his body up, get some pro-am games in, some semi-pro-am games, and he ended up playing in Lithuania. Now, remember, I think the first game, because we were keeping track of it, his first game off the, off the plane, he might have put up 30, right? But then the next couple games and the rest of the season, his numbers were fluctuating. Right. And we were we were wondering, like, what's going on? Like, RJ, you stand solid. But when you're an import, right, talk about being an import and then you're getting on that team and those local guys start to look at you different because <laughs> coach is like, you'll get RJ the ball or you get there and the coach is ancient. He's he's archaic in his in his thought process when it comes to basketball. So instead of wanting to win and letting you go, he's holding you back because of some feeble book
1: he read. Well, you know, for, you know, coming in and, and, and having to be the, you know, the import player, there's a lot of expectations on you. So, you know, you got to have a, um, you got to find a healthy balance in between doing what the organization wants, but then also fitting in with your teammates. Um, just like anywhere, you know, you're the new guy. Um, you don't want to go in and, and bow down to anybody, but you definitely want to make sure that, um, you know, they no one feels threatened by you or whatever. Um because if if those local guys don't support you, you don't really have a, a chance of being successful or you're gonna be bouncing around from team to team, um, even if you're putting up great numbers. You know, yeah, you will run into a coach sometimes that's a little archaic and you know may not be you know with the times and 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 wanna uh, you know make sure you you know you do your thing to to help the team be successful. But you know that's it is what it is. You can be in the NBA and deal with the same type of situation there. But in the
0: NBA, you get NBA money.
1: That is true, and you're <laughs> at home, right?
0: right? I think I think I saw um, one contract, and and I do give a lot of respect for those that choose to bet on themselves, and that they really still have the love for the game, so they go through those those tough moments, right? So I remember I was it was somewhere I don't know if it was a BBL. Or um or some league maybe in England or something, my uncle was showing me, he had me talking to an agent and they were talking about maybe like seventeen hundred a month or eighteen hundred a month and all accommodations and everything. And for me at that moment, um, you know that basketball story. I had been tested and tested and tested, like at age eighteen. And basketball as a perspective was different for me. I wasn't looking at it like it was my only way out anymore. I was looking at it more like business. Like if I spend the next five years chasing this dream, where is that going to put me? So that made it a little bit easier for me to say, it don't make sense for me to to leave. Because at the time, this is before I went back to grad school. I was looking and my uncle was telling me like, yo, there's this kid that just came out of Stanford. And he's only making 2000 playing over here. And I'm like, excuse me? And I was like, I'm getting offered the same thing. I'm like, 2000, I was working in Nordstrom selling women's shoes, killing it, right? Killing it. <laughs> and then all a substitute teacher and like still trying to figure stuff out. So I was making that even after taxes, like for nothing with no stress on my legs, you know, no no concern about whether or not I'll get, I'll get my pay on time because the sponsors might pull out in the middle of the year. I ain't got to worry about having trouble finding food. Uh, being away from family. So for me, it was easy decision. But for those who, who say, nah, I'm going to make this work because I can bet on myself and, and double down and make it happen. But tell me, tell some of those stories though. Tell, cause you got stories, man. Like you told me some stories and I know all of them we can't put on air yet, <laughs> you know, but you got some stories about some things that, that are high level, like, you know, not being paid on time and then still having to go out to do some things or some crazy well, teammates. What you
1: got? Let me, let me say this again. I, I have been blessed with um, being able to play and never have having to deal with not being paid and things like that in terms of being on a basketball team. So knock on wood for that. But I have (laughs) been in in close proximity to teammates on the same team, same organization that didn't get paid. Um, And, um, you know, you look at this guy getting shafted, so to speak, and then you're like, hey, could easily happen to me. So let me make sure I'm on top of my Ps and Qs to um, to not let it happen. But I remember playing in the IBA um, one year, and uh, uh, I was ah, man, what team? I think I was in uh, in Rochester, Minnesota, and uh, this was during the winter months, so you know it was freezing cold out there. First of all, he said Rochester, Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah so, so that's a you know playing out there you get a chance to see a part of the US that you typically wouldn't go to and um you know I'd been there maybe maybe a month month and a half and um got a new new teammate new roommate and um young guy fresh out of college and um you know at that particular time we were getting paid um weekly and so um <clears throat> you get your checks on Friday you know the older guys um, first thing we do we go straight to the bank cash our checks so that way we can put it away and things like that and so young guy you know with good intentions in his heart was stashing his checks and um I began to ask him say yo uh, young buck when um I've never seen you go to the bank what are you doing with your checks he said well I'm gonna wait and save them cash them all at once before the end of the season and I said that wouldn't be a good idea you know not to say I don't trust anybody here, whatever, but I'm just saying I always in myself a little bit more. And, um, you know, he kind of laughed it off, whatever, and um, next two or three weeks, um, you know, got to that point where we were winding down to the end of the season, and this cat has about six or seven checks, and uh, he goes to cash them, and they all bounce. Jesus. So that's, uh, <laughs> you can imagine the uh, the look on his face, and. Um, Uh, the disappointment just in his overall um, experience in in being a professional basketball player for the first time and because there was nobody for him to go cry to because uh, management had already locked up and moved on. Right. That's tough, man.
0: But that leads me to a new topic. But what was your favorite country to play in?
1: Like, what was the one where you you had your fondest memories, whether it was on the court or off? Um, I had a good time almost everywhere, but I'm going to say – Combination on and off the court. I'm probably going to say um, Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful country. Uh, people are nice. Shout out to EJ. He out there living in, oh, in Switzerland.
0: Oh, that's right. right? That's our, right. Our EJ guy. is there.
1: Yeah. Kind of give everybody a
0: quick uh, overview of who EJ is. So they, oh so man, EJ. <laughs> EJ is probably EJ. What five nine, five ten? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> if he was if he was six five, he'd be in the NBA. Illiga. Right. Legal for sure. Um, that's one of my one of my one of my favorite teammates, one of my uh, good friends. We both played for coach um in high school. EJ was one of the leaders on our state championship team at TC Williams when we won the first state championship in 30, 30 years, and we beat uh Alan Iverson's Bethel team about like 12 points or so. And I think EJ had like 23 that night. Yep. And EJ's a small guy. I'm talking about our starting five our starting five, everybody was over six five. And let him, but you can't keep him off the court. You know, yeah. that's my guy. He's he's now living, um, he graduated from Northwestern or Northeastern Ohio. Um, he's now living with his wife in Switzerland. Well, shout out to my guy, yep. man. Yep. Yeah, yep. Switzerland, that's a nice place. Yeah. But when you, um, i let you
1: finish out what you're talking about with Swiss, because I, yeah. I want to hear about it before I go take my trip. <laughs> well, yeah, um, like I said, people are nice. Um, I had a great organization uh, that's been um, known over the years for doing right by their players. I had great teammates. Um, shout out to Daryl Hardy, a.k.a. Debo. That's one of my boys. Uh, him, him and his wife um, were over there with me. And, um, you know, it was just a, a great experience overall. I mean, that is a place that I could see myself actually living um, outside of basketball Man, hey listen i feel you because
0: i think i can live in dubai in the uae <laughs> i'm bringing my family with me but when you just talked about that um those that young buck who was saving his checks right
1: <laughs> well how old was
0: he like 28 29 something like that
1: no fresh out of
0: college, fresh out like, of college like 23 getting out of college yeah See, that's a whole nother thing like yeah. college really don't prepare athletes for things they should but <laughs> but that's another topic another day right but common sense. Right, My mom always says common sense ain't that common, right? <laughs> like, everybody don't have it, but you would think so. But, but like, what is common sense? Like, we had this conversation before, but, like, what is common sense?
1: Well, basically... From, from an OG
0: perspective, though, because I know you talk to a
1: lot of kids daily about this. <laughs> Paying attention to your surroundings, man. If you have an adult that surrounds you um, and that person is constantly uh, giving you advice... I'm not saying it's always going to be good advice, but it's something that you can always uh, learn from whether right or wrong. And um, for people to, uh, to talk to older people that have experienced certain things and maybe have been uh, successful or unsuccessful at it. And for you not to take heed in any of that, that's, that's lacking common sense, you know? And, um, you know, so that's, those people are trying to help you um, um, from going through those situations where, you make a major mistake that's gonna set you back a little bit. Let's not get it
0: twisted though. There's some grown people like 40s and 50s and 30s who don't have common sense at all. <laughs> like like you'll look at them doing something and for me it's I don't know what it is. I just look at maybe it's ignorance, maybe they're naive, but I'm like, why are you doing that? Like, why would you think when they, when you talk about one of the common things, you talk about in the States, right? People get in trouble for leaving their dog in a car, leaving their child in a car while they go in the store. And it's like, you know, I thought they would be fine. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what is wrong with you?
1: There's always going to be exceptions that slip through the crack. Those are people that have made it through life by the grace of God that haven't had any major setbacks. Yeah. You think about a 23-year-old coming out of college and five or six of his checks, his first... Legit checks mm-hmm. aren't he he's not able to cash them, that's a major setback. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, but if he didn't if he didn't have that experience, um he could easily go another five to ten years yeah. and um still have the same thought process. Yeah. But it just it just matters um in terms of what actually your setback is.
0: Yeah, see, common sense so sounds like that brings me to another point, common sense gets passed down, right? Like my mom, I know you talk, my mom. <laughs> if I did something that just didn't make any sense, my mom was gonna gonna snatch me up and be like, oh, no! What are you doing? That ma- use your brain. That makes no sense. Why would you leave that right there? Right? You just ate out of that. Why would you put it back in there? You know, like why would you drink out of that orange juice carton with no glass and then put it back in there? Everybody else has to drink out of it. Right? Yeah. It's like simple things like that. So when we see sometimes like that twenty three year old saving checks like. Your pops did you a disservice, man. He was, supposed to, <laughs> he was supposed to teach you some things, moms or somebody.
1: Well, but here's the thing. I don't want to condemn anybody. What They may have said some things about that, but the, here's the difference in, in terms we talked about it before about being a coach. You got to be all in. You got to be willing to go the extra mile. So if you say something, you may have to say that something over and over and over again. And do you have the energy to do that?
0: Man, look, common sense. But out there, all you people that don't have common sense <laughs> or just trying to figure it out, coach, coach said it. You need to experience more in life. You know that's that's one thing. And then also, because you know, sometimes you can have two people see the same car accident, and both of them give you a completely different story, right? So we do got to put in people have different perspectives and how they take things and all that other good stuff, but. On the flip side of that, man, pay attention. You know, If I saw somebody put their hair on a hot stove and their hand got burnt, I don't need to be following behind them, see if it's going to happen to me too. Like You already seen it. Common sense, man. <laughs> That's something that everybody has and needs to tap into. I think common sense would have saved us a lot politically too, right? Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> like a lot of common sense will help us a lot when making the decisions. Common sense will help us in our relationships when de- dealing with our partners. You know, I know I get into some um some some argument, not even an argument, because I don't, you know, disagreements don't have to be anything violent, but I get into situations sometimes too when I'm looking at somebody and be like, okay, let's let's sit and just just think about what we're really saying right here. Like, is it really that bad? Does it really cause for all these things? That's something that I want to see our listeners respond on. Like, I'm curious, what what do y'all think common sense is? And like, what is the one thing that people do that really, really upsets you? And you like, man, you you can do better than that. You gotta know better than that. Right. So, and I have that time. Um, you know, with kids, you get that kind of you can give them that leeway because kids are trying to discover things. They're being creative. They're trying to learn some things. I get that. You know, I'm not surprised at any of that stuff. As adults, man. And, you know, culturally too, right? Being here in, in, in the UAE, you know, Americans have, uh, um, they have a reputation, right? People say American people think they can go anywhere and they just have, you know, the, the red carpet rolled out for them and they had the audacity to just say this and say that. Now I will say uh, humbly, you know, I, I live in a different America. So <laughs> than those people that you guys are talking about, but you know, when it, there is some, some cultural differences to where like, man, like what, why did you do that? Does that make sense? And a, a lot of it I'm referring to right now is driving. <laughs> driving <laughs> in the UAE right now. is <laughs> crazy, right? And I know the UAE is made up of a lot of expats. So it is not not—it's not the Emirati, so to speak, but the other people on the road. Like, yo, this is nuts. Fast and the Furious, real life. Fast and the Furious in a Mitsubishi Lancer. <laughs> oh, man. But I think there's one thing that we talk about often. Um, and what makes a good coach? Right. I, I'm a, I'll am i give it after you give your take on what makes
1: a good coach. I'll give mine from a player's perspective. All right. Well, you know, most times when I give my perspective on um, certain things in terms of basketball, it's going to be from players' point of view, coaching's point of view. And, and I, I always like to give a, a fan's perspective as well, because I am a fan of the game as well. Um, but, you know, some coaches are going to be good at X's and O's. Some coaches are going to be good at, um, dealing with personality, personalities and managing people. But, you know, to be a good coach, the number one thing you have to do um, is, is be all in. Um, if you're not willing to go, like I said this time and time again, and I'll continue to say it, if you're not willing to go the extra mile, you're, you're not going to um, be able to get all that you expect out of coaching um, and your team. Um, you know, good coaches are, are, are guys that do what's best for the team overall and and not for the individual player um because if you do that at the same time, you're gonna take care of those individual players um and you know the thing is, you know is your team getting better from beginning to end um and is, you're not so much worried about the end of season success and you know in comparison to the uh end of season growth with your team and um you know there's a lot that comes into uh involved with that, and you know we could be here you know, three or four hours trying to talk about what, it what, you know, makes a good coach. Um, but I'm going to say being 110% all in with your heart coming first in terms of just trying to do the right thing and, and do the best you can for your players.
0: And I, so you say that, and you know, a lot of coaches have good intentions, right? So they may be all in, but all in, they're going to win your games sometimes. Right. So like, what strategically, like, like, what does a a practice look like for a well coached team and a coach that's that's like what what um, intangibles or or what you know different practices do you have to have to be a successful coach and have a good team?
1: Well, I mean that's the dep- that's depending on what type of team you have. Yeah, you know those mm-hmm. are same some of the same questions I would get um, interviewing for you know um, certain jobs in high school level or whatever, or maybe um, someone staff in college. Uh, you know. What's your philosophy? Well, I need to know what type of team I would have. Do I Mm -hmm. have the um, opportunity to go out and recruit the players that I want? Um, Otherwise, then I can probably have an idea of how I want to play, but I'm going to adjust my coaching style to what I actually have on the roster. Um, You may, you know, you may have a a guy that's a thoroughbred. He's a real good athlete and you want to get up and down. Um, But then what if you have six other guys that aren't those know uh, as athletic as this guy is so what do you do then do you do you predicate the whole team philosophy around this one guy or do you adjust to the whole team and so um you it's know like it sounds like flexibility right you have to be you have to be able to adjust um you know and you know and no matter what system you're in the better players are going to shine anyway right um but you know it just depends on what type of team you have you know if you give me a scenario of of, of who i have and what level i'm on and and what type of management that I'm dealing with in terms yeah. of um, what kind of support I have, then I can I give you a better idea of what we need to do in terms of um, practice situations, yeah. um, just our overall structure of the program. But, you know, that's just a general s- statement. I don't want to – I would never come out and just say, well, this is what I would do because it may not fit the next situation yeah. I'm in.
0: Well, what about like – there's some things that I know you do regardless of what talent you have right like just being around you i know you do right i remember um hearing hearing from some former players or some some people that i know that play ball that their coach never showed them film game film i'm talking this is college they never saw game film they never watched game film or on the other team they watched film on themselves the day before a game Right. right like what type of things do you think like fundamentally A coach has to be able to do is like you have to know how to scout or you know do you have to have practice plans like things like that for those and we're saying this for those guys my age or or younger who don't have mentors like you around (laughs) to help them
1: say like how do I even prepare to be a coach for real well even even with the um uh, the practice plans that's just the that's just the basis of being a coach anyway you know, you want to go into practice, even though you've been doing this for 30 years or whoever or however long, you may have an idea of what you want to work on and what you need to work on um, based on last game and um and also just knowing your team, but you always want to have it written down just because there's moments where um you may forget something um or you may need to add something and you may need to take notes, whatever. So that's the practice plan is just a basic priority of being a coach anyway. But in terms of watching film and things like that. It's you're never too young to start watching film. You guys know yep. that we did that in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people watch film, but do you watch film with your team uh, and allow them to have input? Mm-hmm. Um, allow them to ask questions? Or, you know, um, do you watch film with your guys? And are you brutally honest? Yeah. If you're not able to be brutally honest with your players, then there's no point in watching film. Yeah. And so I think that may be the reason why some coaches... Don't watch film with their guys because they don't want the pressure of having to tell one of their star players, whatever, you know, you completely sold out on this defensive um, assignment right here and cost us an easy bucket. Um, And so why why do
0: you think that is, though? Because, you know, for me, like. It shows a sign of like weakness to a certain extent, right? Like, how can I respect you all the way if you're afraid to hold me accountable? Is that because you're lacking somewhere? I know you don't ever have that issue, but but why would a coach be, have an issue with holding his players accountable? And I'm not talking about in the NBA or anything like that, yeah. but you know,
1: lower than that. Well, it it could be um, it could be one that um, you know maybe that maybe that coach is. Um, uh, a little uncomfortable talking about certain situations um, involving the game. But most times it's a cultural thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, mm-hmm. if you, if you deal with um, a, your team and most of your players are from backgrounds that you're not familiar with, right. then sometimes you, you don't want to overstep your bounds and perhaps say something that will alienate yourself from the team. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's understandable. But um, you know, if you accept that position, um you gotta be willing to take that chance because you know better than anybody, most times um players will respect that.
0: Absolutely. And you know, Absolutely. and whether
1: you um you come out and you're you're honest with them, and it may be something that you don't wanna hear at that particular time, you'll respect that coach going going further along just because you know he's honest. Right. You right. know, and, and players and players deal with honesty a lot better. Right. So but from what I'm hearing, just to sum
0: up some of those things, you coach needs to be flexible. Yep. Coach needs to be organized yep um it sounds like to a certain extent he needs to be assertive but also um a willing listener right yes, so you gotta those are those are quality traits and i think um for me as a player and i'm I'm a player, I remember you always you and my uncle and other quick coaches always said I was like a jack of all trades right. And you know, I, I could play multiple positions. I could defend multiple positions. I was always a heady player, so I understood, you know, different situations, time and score. I knew all the different um, plays for each position. Blah 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 blah. So, like, to for some coaches, that could be a coach nightmare, right? Because if, if he if if he's not doing something, and I know some things are missing, it's going to be hard for me to listen to him. Right, so I think for me, from a player standpoint, you want to be assured that your coach knows the game, right? So I want to be assured that, like, when we go out there, my coach really has everything in his toolbox to make some things happen, right? I don't want to, I don't want to get into a situation where I'm looking over at the sideline and I'm like, "Yo, he looks like he's nervous, right? He don't know what to pull." So I think for certain, for a lot of players, because you know we are an extension of our cor- our coach, right? both of us see the game completely different, right? You're seeing it from the sidelines. And when I'm seeing it from in between the lines, but we got to all be on one accord. Cause sometimes I'll come to you cause we had a relationship and I'd be like, yo coach, I know you called this, but they've been moving it this way and kind of seen it this way. And you'd be like, all right, right, let's we can make that work that way one time. Right. Exactly. Not only because you don't have an ego, but because you know, that there's a different field in the game as a player. And if if I tell you it or I'm sharing it, it's because you can make sense of it yourself, right? Sometimes you're sharing stuff to a coach that doesn't really study the game. Like maybe you have some coaches that just study it from YouTube. Right. Or they or they're just studying the game from where they're comfortable at to where, uh, this is where I like it. This is what I like. I only like the flex offense. I don't want to see what, you know, Kentucky's dribble weave has going. I don't want to see how VCU plays here. I don't want to see how, um, you know, John Wooden had, you know, his teams in UCLA running. I don't want to see all those other different things. So now I got a limitation on what I see and what and how I think the game. So my creativity is low. So that therefore, my, your players can see that. So for me, I want to know for sure my coach is a basketball guy. Like he understands the game and, and he studies it. He's not studying it just off of what he
1: thinks is 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 right, but also off of you know how the game has grown. Yeah. Well, I mean, but a large part of that is studying your players. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I said before, if you're not if you're not willing to to do the extra in terms of coaching, that means get getting to know your players personally and athletically you know what's what's your strengths and weaknesses and things like that um you know you got to lean on your you got to lean on your best players yeah um and you know for you cuz you you brought that up as an um uh instance that happened before where you may have said to me you know coach just run this whatever or you've changed plays on the fly and i don't really say that much because we We've spent so many times, so many hours in the gym together. Mm-hmm. Um, we've spent so many hours together going to watch other teams play and, and scouting tape and things like that. So, um, you know, you have to have trust in your players. And so, and therefore your players will have trust in you. And so it's just a, a, a balance that you have to have as a coach. And like I said, it's more so just adjusting to your environment and, and the players that you have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's why our coaches have to be dynamic personalities, too. You may not have to be flamboyant, but you got to be a personality. I think another thing that's important as a coach is how you pull together your team off the court. Right. I think now more than ever with the way um, I saw a small clip of Obama on the shop with um, LeBron. And he talked about how, you know, historically, black athletes have been activists, you know, um, uh, Jack Johnson, um, Muhammad Ali, the greatest athlete ever in my eyes, you know, uh, Jackie Robinson, Arthur Ashe. And then, you know, they had um, a little gap when money got bigger, right? Money got a little bit, business got different to where, you know, we were focused on endorsements and things. But now it's a different space, right, with the NBA leading the way as far as activism. But when you look at those those teams now, those youth players and those youth coaches, and they're looking up to those LeBrons and Naomi Osaka's and everybody's doing something. As a coach, not only do you need to do team bonding things outside of, you know... Just the basketball, because there were times and we see that like with Pete Carroll, right, when he was at USC and, and with Seattle, where he'll come in and they're playing like dodgeball or something. Right. <laughs> I've walked into the gym to where you, there were no basketballs out there. We were just playing dodgeball yeah. or we all went on a paintball trip. Right. Yeah. That was important. But you also have moments to where you actually taught us, you know, like this is where this happened. This is how this goes, or you know, as a man, you need to go in these spaces, and I think that goes a long way because you're talking about running through a wall for somebody because that's what happens. Like as a coach, if you can get your guys to really believe in what you say and how you feel, that's not going to come just because of basketball and practice in between the lines. So I think a good coach, on top of that, having knowledge and being selfless, has to also be like, as you say, all in, invested on those off the court moments, right? Mm-hmm. And those are those are solid for uh, those are solid for business takes as well. Right? Cause I do remember doing it on paintball and lighting you up, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. getting that action in. Yeah. <laughs> that a little get back, huh? <laughs> yeah, always for sure. though. So you know that is something too. Like you know, good coaches are flexible. You know they hold you, they hold themselves accountable. They hold you accountable regardless of where you are, right? As far as talent goes. They're organized, you know, they're making sure that they're checking in on their guys on and off the court. But I think another thing is coaches that are really
1: strong and really good, they pick a great staff. Yeah, that yeah. that is important. That is important. You're you're only as good as the, the, you know, the coach sitting next to you, you know, left and right. And um, I, I'll say this on the grassroots level um, and even the high school level. It is very, very hard to find a good coaching staff. Um, I will say that I was blessed um, with having some really good coaches um, at T.C. Williams. Uh, shout out to Coach Jones, Coach Jeff Gaskins, Coach James Clark, um, Coach Irv Hay, um, Coach Walter Coleman. Uh, you know, those guys, you know, were, were the backbone of our, um, our program. You know, because there were there were times where, you know, there were things that I couldn't I couldn't do, but I could lean on those guys to get the job done. Um, much the way I was for uh, Coach Ivan Thomas, who I started my high school coaching career with. Um so good coaching staff is really important. You, you mentioned
0: his name, you mentioned it lightly. Coach Jones. So Coach Jones is what I 15, 20 years older than you, maybe? Yes. 20 years older than you. And he was an assistant coach on your staff. Yes. Right? Not only 20 years older than you, but he had more titles than everybody <laughs> combined. Only like 15 titles or something like that, that he had won. Like, talk about, talk about that type of um, dynamic to where if you got a guy there that, you know, essentially just by years as you would say to me, you know, more basketball, you forget more basketball than I may ever know. Right. And for coach Jones, it's the same guy, but he chose to be, you know, subordinate, so to speak, to, you know, follow your lead for things. But talk about how, even
1: though you're a head coach, like how do you balance that, you know? Well, for sure. Um, for, for just having coach Jones on a bench is is legendary. Um, for those that don't know coach Jones, um uh, Uh, He's one of the only guys in the DMV area um, that played varsity basketball for four years and won state championships each of those four years uh, while leading the area uh, in scoring as a team. Um, They were the Golden State Warriors before the Golden State Warriors on the high school level. Um, And as as a coach himself, he's um, won a football state championship and, um, two state high school basketball championships in addition to winning a a state championship uh, with us uh, under uh, Ivan Thomas. And, uh, you know, the one thing about Coach Jones is he understands um, the pecking order of a coaching staff. Um, If you're not the head coach, then one voice has to be prominent throughout the program. And he understands that. Um, and, And that is why we were always able to work together because he's not only, um, an assistant coach, he's more of an associate head coach. right. Um, Right. and you know, he's my mentor. Um, he's a father figure to me, a best friend. Um, he has so much knowledge of the game of basketball that, um, you know, we, we talk from hours on end, even though I'm in Dubai, we still talk every day. Um, and, and he's a guy, even though he's older than me, He's always coming to me with new ideas or asking me questions about how I do certain things um, during the time that we were apart. And so he's a guy that has so much success on the high school level, but yet every day he's still seeking more knowledge. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that is one thing that makes him great. And therefore, that makes our coaching staff. great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I thought that was. And for me, you know, like. When we found it, because I remember Coach Jones, one of the illest stories Coach Jones told me was about when he was playing AAU and he met that man, Magic Irvin Johnson, right? <laughs> he told me he had came in the gym and they were playing and, you know, they came, they're they coming from Maryland. It's his, his team and their coach is like 12 of them, 10 of them. And Magic walk in with his guys and it's just six people, just six players, no coach. No coach. And he was like, Oh, we're gonna murder them. Who's this dude? He's like Magic was coaching and playing the whole thing and they won by twenty. <laughs> he was like, Yo, and from that day he was like, Man, this dude's special, right? right? So like being around somebody that's seen that much basketball, and then you having him on staff and you know, kind of having that balance, you know, that says a lot. Because a lot of coaches don't want um to have somebody there that can that can challenge them. Right. Right? And so because of your own egotistical things, you kind of um limit your team and yourself from any type of growth because you're like, nah, you know, he might challenge and it might cause this or that. So you know, that's that's interesting to think about. Um shout out to Coach Jones. But one of the things that always intrigued me about um coaching styles, because right before we left to come to Dubai, um I tagged along with my uncle and we went to to watch several practices. Um we went and we saw the Sixers practice. Um, preseason, uh, we saw Temple practice. You know, that's, that's your that's your stomping ground, hometown. You know, your your school. Well, not hometown, but you know, you got roots there. We went to see your boy Blue, you know, yep. Coach and um and Jason Ivy. So we sat and watched that practice, and then we came back down the Beltway and we watched GW practice. Um, you know, D1 practices and practices period is always interesting to me to see the different type of energy that carries around. Right, because you got to have practice isn't always fun, right? So you got to always find a way to, you know, young players, you got to find a way to keep them engaged and keep them enthused, so that you don't lose your mind because they're not taking it the way you want them to take it. But you keep the energy going. But I always found it interesting to see what, like, how do you, how do you go about practice? Like, what's as your coaching style? And I know you say it depends on players, but what, what about practice is more important for you? Is do you have to have more player development moments? You know, do you um do you think it's important to do more scrimmaging? Um, do you like to balance those things out? Um, how do you feel about doing those, you know, in game situations, simulations during practice?
1: Um, well, you know, for me, I'm a big player development guy, but this is before and after practice. I like, you know, our practice is only two hours most times. So I like to make sure that we get to the meat and potatoes of everything. And a lot of that has to, you know, be involved with scrimmaging where I can stop and coach certain moments um, during, you know, a game, a real life game situation, because I don't want the guys to go out there and be robotic. And if, you know, if plan A doesn't work, we don't know what to do. I want to be able to go right into plan B, plan C. And so, um, you know, a lot of everything that we do, we do as a group. Um and it's 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 all game situation. You know, there's been many times where we end the the last 10 minutes of practice with um an end-of-game situation where it's a, a game winner situation or or, or we gotta get a, a stop to you know to um seal the win or something like that. So I like I like to make it as as real realistic as possible so that my guys don't have uh you know, deer in the headlights,
0: you know. When- so you talk about that, that deer in headlights moment, right? Like, those, for me, you know, me being, I'm always going to find a way to throw this out there, me being a Kobe guy, right? <laughs> like, I, I love those spaces and those times, but when people don't, I don't think people practice them, right? Like, how can you get, how can you be prepared for a moment when you've never simulated it yourself? So, putting that in through practice, that's that's big time, like, what do What do you look for like how do you know as a coach when you have a guy that can show up in that moment, or when you know you gotta prepare the team as a well, you always have to prepare the team as a whole, but when you know like all right, I need to make sure that everybody at least knows where they are on the court so they can you know be prepared to make a play, but if you got a guy, like how do you know when you got that guy that can if I got everybody else in the right place, he can take us there?
1: Well, that that's from from getting a chance to play, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we always see guys that do individual training and and they go through all these drills, whatever, but they're not doing it in live action. Right. So, I mean, they're, you know, they're called workout warriors. You know, then you then you're upset with them when they when they don't get the job done, when the lights come on um, and everybody's wondering what happened. Well, what happened is they never it's not a live situation. And, um, you know, we want to do that as a team. So that way, not only does um, that guy know that I'm the guy, the best guy to get it done on the team, but everybody else on the team knows because you don't want to be at the end of the shot clock or at the end of the the game with the clock expiring and the wrong person has the ball in their hands. So that's why you want to do these live um, in-game situations with your team as much as possible and you're you know you're throwing junk defenses at them, and you're changing this, the environment each time to um, to see how they adapt.
0: That's big. I remember having moments to where I was like, I remember the first time Coach, I think Coach Thomas had had done that sophomore year varsity practice, and we were doing like last second plays from the sideline with only three seconds left. And then those <laughs> moments came in the game, and we actually, oh, okay, we've been
1: here before. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like we, we good probably one of the biggest games of your career against Montrose Christian that year. Yeah. We ran yeah. that end games uh, situation for EJ. Yeah. And, you know, hit the shot and sent yeah. us an overtime. Yeah. It's a nationally ranked team.
0: You know, and this, this leads me to another point. You know, people talk about um people having to get lucky and people you know everybody needing some luck and some things. And for me, when I look at that, I don't think it's necessarily luck. I think it's you being prepared. So when the opportunity comes, then you know how to take full advantage of it, right? So like I don't think I don't think EJ hitting that half court shot was just luck, right? It went in that way, and everybody that sees it may think it's luck. But we practice those we moments. Them, right. Yep. We practice those. And then if you think about people in just everyday life who are waiting for something to happen to them or they're praying for somebody to to just drop an opportunity in front of them. While you're doing that praying and you're doing everything else, what are you doing to prepare yourself for when an opportunity comes, right? Like when the opportunity comes and now you thought that you were just gonna get the, the reward and not actually have to work through it. But the opportunity came and now you're looking at like, dang, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, what am I going to do? So that's when you start to get nervous. That's yeah. when you get to the free throw line and you're sweating too much okay. and you're getting a little tense and the ball is heavy because you don't shoot those free throws after the practice, right? right? Or when you're up top and it's you down one or game tied and coaches like, it's up to you to make the shot and you want to toss it to someone to the right because you don't <laughs> practice those moments, right? Or you've been waiting for that job to come, it came, but in the meantime, you've been playing around, you haven't been reading your books, you haven't been sharpening your skills. So now when it's here, you're like, ah, I wasn't ready. Why don't you give me a little bit more time? Yeah. Man, that's our practice plan.
1: Yeah. Ryan, for our Hoop Mountain listeners and, and, and uh, clientele, um, can you give a little insight on why we do the, um, one of the drills that we incorporate is called uh, shot to win the game. Mm. You know, something that you guys practice a lot mm. in your high school career um, towards the end of practice. Yeah. And, um, you know, those were things that we would revisit at the end of practice mm-hmm. in order for us to go home in a timely manner. Yeah. Yeah. Our,
0: and we only I think we started to do this with um, with, with Rayon and, and Neil and some of those guys because they have a little bit more advanced skills. But it was, it's one of those moments to where coach aligned everyone out on the baseline. And, you know, everybody, he'll pick one person one by one. One person, you, some people you'll give a move, right? you like, I need you to, between the legs, you know, behind the back here, spin here, step back, jumper, right? And I need you to hit that. If you miss it, everybody runs. Mm-hmm. Everybody runs and you watch them run, right? Kind of putting some pressure on them and, and, you know, seeing how your teammates react to the fact that, you know, I just called out, so and so, who's a 45% free throw shooter, and I, and I need him to make two free throws. And if he don't make them, you all run. Now you see one, what that player is made of, right? Is he going to take that challenge and be like, I got this? Then two, you see how strong your team is. Is your team gonna be like, oh man, forget it. Let's just get ready to run, coach. I'd rather run. Or are you gonna have those guys like, let's get this big dog. I know you're gonna make it, right? And then you got, you got. It's kind of just that's how. When I asked you, how do you know who who's the big dog who can take that shot? I guess that's how you figure it out. Cause some of us will come out there and be like, Oh, whatever you throw out there, I'm going to do. You know, you don't have to worry about that. So, so those are some of the things we do at the end of a workout, right? Like we'll, we'll work on, you know, transition moves and we'll, and while we work on these moves, we always tell the kids, like, this is the type of situation you, you need to put it in and have an imagination. And then at the end of that workout, we'll test them to see if they can really put that together themselves and, and make it when it counts, right? So, you know, those that's, that was one of my favorites. And as a coach, loosely, as a coach now, that's going to be one of my favorites too because I love to see their reaction when they when they miss it a couple of times and got a run. You know, that's always fun.
1: And, you know, and and that guy that you speak of, that guy, if he misses those shots on Monday, he's going to go and work on those shots um, the next couple of days and be ready for the next opportunity. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. And, and that's what we if, want. If, if,
0: if they're a hooper. If, they're a, if they're a hooper, right? Like everybody doesn't get that, you know, the same push. And before, I think we'll we'll probably end it on that. But you know, we talk about um, coaches, right? So just to wrap up the coaches talk, you know, we want to see coaches that are, you know, they're accountable, they hold themselves accountable, they hold the team accountable. You know, they they are always learning, they're flexible. You know, when we talk about flexibility, I want to make sure I make this point. I was listening to, what's his name? Um, I was listening to uh, Earl Watson again. I brought him up last time. But they were talking about he used to go see John Wooten all the time, right, while he was still alive because, you know, it's an urban legend, so to speak. So he talked about, talking to him about offense. And Wooten won how many, like 12 titles or something like that? Something Something crazy, right? And I, I'm not familiar with the offense he ran, but was it like a four out, four round one with a high post? Yeah, Yeah. he UCLA said. Cut. Yeah, UCLA cut right. So he said there was two times in his career where he didn't went, he didn't run that right. And then we're talking about John Wooten, you know, the the guru, the Godfather, everything. Like he won 15 titles, whatever. Why would he have to change anything, right? But he changed it two times. He changed it four. Lou Al Wooten, I'm sorry, John Wooten. He changed it for Lou Al Sinder. Now we know him as Mr. Karina Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Walton, right? You talk about being flexible and make adjustments. If he can make adjustments, and of course, those are two transformative, especially transformative players, right? But you got to make adjustments to what you have in front of you, right? And if John Wooten can say that and... You know, make those moves. Every coach should be able to do that and let the ego go. So that preparation, um, and then also being able to build bonds and and team chemistry off the court, right? And picking a strong staff. Would you, would you say that's a good, good mixing pot of a good coach?
1: That's a, that's a great starting point,
0: right? Yeah, for sure. yeah, Yeah. And, you know, those are all things that you control, you know? So like, you know, you can make all those things happen. Let's get into some fun stuff though. That NBA draft is creeping up. That NBA draft, and I think they're trying to project a a December start date for the season. Yeah. December something. I know. I know the NBA lost a billion, but I don't know if December is going to be a a time to where you can get fans in the gym one like safely. And then all those like players just finished, right? I think I'm thinking January, February. What would you as a player? Because I know Brian' not playing.
1: Yeah. You know, December is a quick turnaround. Uh you know, the end of January, early February is more uh, reasonable. Um, those guys just did something out of the norm um uh by being in the bubble for three months. Well, most of the teams rather. Yeah. And uh, you know, you gotta give those guys a chance to um recuperate and uh and get their mind right and um prepare for, you know, another long season. Um, because you know they say they're shaving off ten games, but it's, it's still yeah. seventy-two games. Yeah, that's a long season. Yeah, no, that's real. You know, and I know as
0: old heads, you guys like as you get older, you kind of drift away from that younger generation of hoopers. Like you don't, you don't go seeking to see who the top high school player is anymore, unless you're unless you're down there. And I kind of, now that I've gotten older, I kind of been. Teetering that line too, to where I don't always go back and check out to see who up and coming like I did while I was in college and things. But I do know Lamelo Ball. I do know Anthony Edwards. Like I I do know what they bring. I've seen a little bit of James Wiseman. But I want to. I want to talk about Lamelo, right? Because I like Lamelo a lot. I like. I like. I like his moxie, right? I like the way he carries himself. You know, I I think that he got a different. I think he got a different a different walk to his talk. What do you think Lamelo's ceiling is, and what would you say would be a, a good fit for him for those teams with the top ten, um, yeah, the top ten
1: draft picks? Um, well, I'm gonna say you know with him, you know, his limit is his potential is is, is limitless. It's, it's just um, with his size, I mean, he can do everything and. um you know, he does have some incredible swag with him. Yeah. Um. A little more toughness um, with him, I think, out of, the, you know, the entire bunch. But I'll say the thing I am impressed with is that, you know, he has started to develop into a real professional basketball player. Yeah. Before he was kind of living off just uh, his name, his size, and in terms of his height and skill level. But you can see that he's been working on his body and things like that. And uh, I watched him play a few times. Um, you know, while being in Australia. And um, I saw him not only just take over games with scoring, but also by distributing the ball and being a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's and that says a lot about his growth. And so, you know, in terms of which team would draft him, I think because of his size and versatility, he could probably play on any team. Yeah. I um, mean, yeah. because his skill set, um, he can shoot the ball from, you know, from half court mm-hmm. off the dribble. Uh, he can get to the rack. Um, he's long enough to be a, a solid defender and he's got um uh, pretty good IQ. So I mean, wherever he goes, they're gonna get yeah. a, a, a good draft pick. Now, the the problem that I that he could run into is just that living up to the hype.
0: Yeah. See, I think, I think this go around though. He doesn't have as much hype as, as Zo had going into, right? Cause, you know, Pops was talking too much. Pops was <laughs> saying crazy things. He was saying that Lonzo probably run a ring before Brian did, right? <laughs> like, we see where that came. But with LaMelo, for me, um, I think we, we gotta look at, how people were groomed to a certain extent. I remember seeing a video the other day where Lamello was playing like 17 and under with his brothers out there in the yeah. thick of things, right? And like, and it, and then was doing things the way he wanted to do it. And I think like mentally that prepares you for a challenge like this, right? I would, I don't think he'll fall this far in the draft because I think he'll be top three because he'll probably sell, he'll sell tickets too, right? Yeah. You know, but I think I would like to see him paired in Atlanta.
1: Well, when I say when I say the the pressure uh, of living up to the hype, I don't necessarily mean the the basketball environment itself. I'm talking about inside the locker room, because, you know, mm. unfortunately, we still have um, there's still NBA players and analysts and, and mm. coaches. That are gonna hold grudges against his father Mm. because he was so outspoken. Not realizing that, don't take it personal. He's just doing what he thinks is best for his sons. Um so you know, that's that's the only thing I see would be an obstacle for him.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. That's I mean, but again, luckily for him, Pops toned it down.
1: (laughs) Pops toned (laughs) it down for
0: sure, for sure. I do but I would like to see LaMelo and paired up with Trey Young. Like Atlanta got a group down there, you got Trey, and I think Cam Reddish in the next two, three years is gonna be one there. everybody says, Oh, why did I sleep on him? You got Trey, you got Clint Capella, yeah. you got Colin still, and then you got DeAndre Hunter. You know, you get you get some some vets around that group and you get and you know, hopefully Pierce down there can make it happen, but you put LaMelo there to where you can let Trey run off the ball a little bit, man. Yeah. In yeah. Atlanta, too, you yeah. talk about those small market places that need to keep the league going, like right. that right there, that's box office. It is in the Eastern Conference, too, to sure. where they can kind of, they can gradually grow and still be like contenders for playoffs, you know what I'm saying, because you don't have to battle the big dogs at the Western Conference. I don't think he'll get down there that low. I think somebody will take the top three or so, but... I think Atlanta would be the one. Like, if they could, that would be the one. I, I'd <laughs> definitely, you know, pull up for one of those different games. So, sure. Yeah. When we talk about Eastern Conference, you know, we, we are DMV guys, you know, from, from VA. You got your roots there as well in the DC area. We got to bring some attention to, because I think, I don't think he gets enough credit for how much he had to shoulder. Like, to a player carrying a franchise when it was in his pits. Like, it ain't have no, no way out. John Wall, right? The videos have been circulating. John Wall just – I just saw the video of him working out with the Nets and getting his bump in, looking good. But John Wall is so underappreciated, man. Like, like John carried that franchise. Like, John had a – young John Wall. I'm Dougie and John Wall in the old Wizards jerseys. <laughs> was on the tail of that um, Gilbert Arena's gun situation, you right. Like, you know, Javaris Crinton, like that whole thing, like that organization was going nowhere, right? And then John just just lifts it like some Hercules stuff, like on his shoulders. Like, like talk about, we talk about John all the time, but like for the, for the guys that, you know, a lot of the kids here, they don't really understand sometimes the depth of the
1: basketball breakdown. Talk about what type of player John Wall really is. Well, you, you talk about John Wall. He's the epitome of um, speed and power at the point guard position. You know, he's somebody six three, six four, super fast end to end. He's quick, um, really good athlete with a lot of bounce. Um, has worked on his jumper over the years for sure because that was a knock on him coming into the league. And you know, he's a you know he's one of the more traditional point guards still in the league. He's a pass first guy. Um, you know, I know he took a hit because people were saying that he may have been looking for a shot a little too much uh, in the years leading up to his uh, his recent injury. But that's what he was asked to do, um, because, you know, there were times when other people were out with injuries or what have you, and he had to put them on his back. And, um, you know, you mentioned that he came in um, into the Wizards organization when they were a little in, in flux and, uh, you know, There wasn't really strong veteran leadership in that locker room, and you know he coming to the Wizards after one year at Kentucky, and as a you know as as a rookie and being a point guard, which is the hardest position in the NBA, and um, you know he got it done. Man, I think people you know right now kind of forget that, and they're looking at his current contract and saying he's overpaid. Well, he earned that for sure. Did he? Um, did he?
0: And it's, when you talk about his jumper, I, I always thought that was an unfair criticism, right? Because John Wall can score. He has proven that for sure. But he's a pass first. Right. Like, like John wants to get out there and, and drop those dimes. John, John gonna fist up. He gonna get ready to slide those puppies. He gonna play defense. And he wants to get down there and drop dimes. But you can't do that in DC. Like, like. <laughs> Like, Bradley Bill has progressed into a great player, all-star talent player. But he could only do that because of the type of player that John Wall is. Because when Bradley get, first got to the league, it wasn't much off the bounce. Right. You really had to you had to put him, he had to come off screens. He maybe had one, two dribble off the bounce and pull up. But you really had to set up everything. Like, John Wall hasn't played with one person that create can create his own shot. You told me a, a stat where... um I think Gortat was like top five or maybe number one in the league on pick and roll offense when he was with John Wall. And Gortat is not in the league no more. I think he went to the Clippers right after that. It was no good, <laughs> right? But like yeah. spoon feed and stuff. Like he was really surgical in, in handling that. Like I can't I can't remember Otto Porter. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I yeah. don't like that's what he, Otto Porter got paid. Got paid. John Wall effect. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a lot of those guys that got paid or are still working around the league because they played with a guy like John Wall. So, like, if John Wall can get – if the Wizards can get him, you know, a good big – like, if the Wizards could get James Wiseman or something like that, somebody that could run the rim and finish or something, you might really have something down there. But right now, you haven't put enough around him. Because if John could just do what he was exceptional at, top – what other point guard – Right. Like the only other point guard, like traditional point guard
1: in the league is Chris Paul and Rondo, right? Right. And they're getting older. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean he's of course, he's he's younger than those guys, but yeah. um, you know, e- even when even when John Wall was having this to, to go outside of his his typical um uh box and, and score a little bit more, he was still an all star. All star.
0: You know. And I mean, was getting it done. Yeah, yeah, John Wall under underappreciated by the league. You know, I think that comes with being in a smaller market like DC, anyway.
1: But let's put it, let's be real, underappreciated uh, more in the DMV. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's where yeah, the the yeah, appreciation sure. is lacked because uh, I think you know DC when they're winning. Everybody's a fan, everybody's at the game. Everybody's at Rose Bar. Yeah. <laughs> the at Rose Bowl. yeah for they sure. lose a few, then everybody wants to point yeah. the finger. But um we all know that it's just um at times over the past, you know, four or five years, it's been a it's been a bad, badly run organization. For real, for real. I mean D C sports, period, right? Outside of like the Nats and the like
0: from from my birth probably, they've been terrible. Like the, the that uh that football team out there, you know, everything. But we won't even get into that. I haven't watched football. But when we talk about players like John Wall, would you say John Wall is a superstar? Uh he's not a superstar. He he's an all star. Okay. So this, this begs the question of what makes a player a superstar? Because we just talked about the fact that he carried an organization. With nothing, right? right? And, he, and he made everyone around him better. And then he has all those tools that you talk about athleticism at the point guard position. How many point guards in history have been as athletic, as quick, as bouncy as him? Right. But we, he's not a superstar? So who right.
1: we, how do we put that category a, together? A superstar, in my mind, um, is, is someone that not only performs at a high level, for their team, you know, and on the court, but someone who is box office in any arena they go to. Um, because you're, you know, that when this person's coming to town, you may never see this type of, um, talent again. And someone who, um, can be the face of the league periodically. Someone who is easily recognizable, um, outside of their, you know, their organization. And John Wall is, He's a is a really, really good talent, but a superstar is just someone who that someone that we're going to talk about for the next 20 years. But but when we talk about that, then
0: because I want that's like media driven there. Right. Like from a media standpoint, they control that narrative about who gets that that look. Right. And if you're not in certain markets, because John Wall decided to leave and he went to New York. Then the talk will be a little bit different. But as as just hoopers, as just us as just hoopers, who would we consider? Who would who do you consider? Like give us names well, for let, who let, you consider. Well, let,
1: let me tackle the media thing first. That's not necessarily true. The media can hype you up for short term. But you know, we've seen so many players be hyped up before and put up in the superstar um category, and then two or three years later, we don't talk about them anymore. Mm. But as when you look at it from a hooper's perspective, there's certain guys in your mind that may not be in a large market, but you're looking at those guys. You're like, he's a yeah. he's a monster. And I, perf- the number one example that comes my is um, Damian Lillard. Yeah, he's a monster. Yeah, for sure. Um, but Cold of course, killer. Portland isn't that large media market. But to to guys that are true Hoopers, they'll say he's a superstar. Yeah, but the media may not. Yeah, paint him as such, skip, but um, skip Bayless, skip Wayless and all the <laughs> way. Of this.
0: But but who was on your list of superstars then? Um, I know that's a short list for you, but who's on that
1: list? It's a short list. You know, we got to talk about the king because they yeah, just yeah. they just brought a championship yeah. back. Him him and KD are, are automatics, right? Um, yeah. LeBron, KD, Giannis. Um, I know people give Giannis a hard time because they've, uh, flamed out in the, in the playoffs, but that's not necessarily all on him. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's still something that we haven't seen really, um, with that agility and at his size. And he's, he's a baby. Yeah.
0: I, I like the fact that he's getting that criticism right now. Yeah. Because it, it was due. Right. Like, cause every, that's when, you know, you really hit that mark to where it's different because every LeBron had to go through it. KD had to go through it. Kobe had to go through it. You know, right. hard is going through it, Westbrook. Like you don't become that media darling anymore. Now you really see what it's like, you know, right. I like, I like that. I think that's going to make them push into something
1: different. Um, you know, you know, now we start going into, the next group of guys that could yeah. be superstars, or oh, so you or, you stopped it at
0: that? You stopped it at yeah, at I, I'm Col- stopping at just because. KD, hold on, let me let me make sure I okay. get these okay, names out for okay. me. So you got LeBron, you got KD, and you got Giannis. Those are your three superstars. All right. those are
1: my three bona fide guys right now. That's that's it. Yeah, but I'm but like I said there's levels to this. Oh, like hold, on, said, hold on, hold I'm, on. I'm I'm saying buddy stars because okay. Anthony Davis is right there. But you know, we we all know that we're still waiting on Anthony Davis still, he may be one year away. One year
0: away from what? I, to, superstar. Me, to me, because he's been doing it. What well, he's well, he's been doing it, doing it longer than Giannis has right i'm talking about 40s and 20s and carrying, like Correct. like he's been from a hooper's perspective not from what he can do is
1: you know with his organization of ad harden with russ but we talk- russ is i was going to get to him cuz he's box office because you may hate him but you'll still watch him because you're like you don't know what he's going to do mm-hmm. you know but what i'm saying is that superstars can't just be good players that have exceptional talent they, there's a lot that comes with that because when you go to the all-star game you know even though there's a collection of all-stars yeah, you see there's a still difference. levels to it's still different and AD is one of those yeah. he's getting there and the oh, reason man. I because, can't in New Orleans, because you know the thing that's going to still be held against him is um getting to the playoffs and things like that but we
0: talk about that being as an organizational thing and not a team thing cuz that's, that You can't put that on just a player because it's, it's, who's around AD? Do you remember any of his teammates? Because I don't. I think the only time I remember is when he had that one playoff run when they finally right. put um, Drew Holiday and, and Rondo there and they had a formidable right. team. But right. for me, I, I got to disagree with you. AD is definitely a superstar. I mean, I mean,
1: he, my I mean like I said, now. he's right there. But, you know, there's still there's still going to be hoopers yeah. that say that, okay, we still got to see – we still need to see him – Be consistently a little tougher, you know, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, and believe it or not, um, even though we shouldn't hold this against you, it is held against you sometimes in terms of your durability. We know that. I mean, because that's just how it goes. So and a lot of some of your durability happens to come with some of your toughness. So, like I said, Mm -hmm. he made major steps this year, Mm -hmm. but we need to see it consistently. You and I talked about this on a side note Mm -hmm. about one game where I think he had like 24 points, Mm -hmm. like 12 rebounds, Mm -hmm. and I think you pointed out they had four blocks. And to the average NBA player, that's a hell of a night. Mm -hmm. But for AD, because he's done so many other things before at certain times, and we know that we're in the he's in the finals we're expecting him to keep that consistent uh level of high you know energy mm-hmm. high performance and things like that so like i said when i i didn't say he wasn't i'm saying he's a budding superstar see the the
0: reason why i'm saying that he is a superstar cuz the only next step for him to meet is to be the best player in the world Right, like, like I think he gets to that next level. I don't think it's just like, all right, now I'm in a conversation with KD and and all. Like I think now it's to the point to where he is the best player in the in the game. Period. That's why I'm like, he got to already be it because I think, you know, as a as a player, he gives you more than what Giannis does. Right. And, I, you know, Giannis just has a, you know, a different role of what goes on. And yeah, well, I, and I mean, but, it's, but, it's, you know. it's hard.
1: It's hard. We can we can disagree, of all course. Right. So because if like, you think if you switch A.D. and Giannis, Giannis would be a totally different player playing with LeBron. It's you know, it's it's just, you know, we all know it's about situations and things yeah. like that. Well, I mean,
0: seven years in, seven years in, A.D. been... Been this AD for seven years. But that's what I'm saying. Because I, Giannis ain't, ain't you, been in seven years right, and had that, that same this, of It's a combination of, yeah, of durability. A little, you a little toughness,
1: is, you know, that's yeah. all. But that's, but if that's your only knock, then you're, you're in a good position there, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, not, I, we'll, let me ask you this. we'll see, we'll see. Is Kawhi Leonard a superstar to you? For, for me? Yeah. No. Okay. Well,
0: but you, but you know, you know why I say that. I say that. There is – because even when you talk about Kawhi, right, When you, the names you just named, and we're going to keep um, AD in that conversation, right, the names between KD, LeBron, Giannis, and AD, those are different.
1: Like, we may never
0: see those players ever again, right? right. Like, that's a whole different space of things. So, for me, Kawhi is one of those guys that um, he comes from a great organization. A great organization. Um, you got drafted by the Spurs, so you come into the league your first year in the league, and you're playing with Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, right? And then you got Bruce Bowen, Boris Diaw, and then you're playing for one of the most the most well-run organizations in NBA and maybe all of sports, right? So, and then you go and you leave there. And you go to a Toronto organization that's pretty much already put together, right? Like they have they've been winning for years. They've been at the top of the East for years, winning fifty games, sixty games, however else you'll see it. And then, you know, you got Kawhi just comes in and fits a need that they hadn't had because he has um championship experience. Um, he gets you know, he's he's a little bit better on defense than um uh DeMar DeRozan was, but, but on that note, we'll see another Kawhi, you know what I'm saying? Like another Kawhi will come around, like somebody who can be athletic and get pushed around, that person will come around, you know, it's Kawhi, I don't know how much better Kawhi can get, right? And then, and then on top of that, we'll say, well, Kawhi, um, and, and Kawhi is great too. Kawhi is great. I think the media has done a great job of like trying to portray him as, as a superstar, but I'm, I'm not really putting him in that conversation. But, but why does a
1: superstar have to be a talent that we've never seen Cause before? It's a,
0: Cause it's an individual claim. It's not anything. A superstar don't have anything to do about who you are. I mean, about your team. George Gervin was a superstar, right? Yes. Right, right. And that was just his individual talent, right? That wasn't about how his team put together or anything. Like, it didn't matter where you put um, George Gervin, right? He was going to be ice anywhere, everywhere, right? right? Kawhi, is Kawhi the same player if he had to stay with the Pacers when he got drafted by them? Is he that same
1: player? I don't think so. But exactly. We, but we haven't, but well, that's exactly. what I'm saying. But he hasn't been in that situation. But I'm just talking about Kawhi. You're saying about, we. you know, um, the guys that we've named are talents that we may never see again. Right. And I'm just thinking about, like, was Larry Bird a superstar? Right. He was. But he was not a super athlete, though.
0: Yeah, but his talent don't have nothing to do with athleticism, right? Bird was, what, 6'9"? Yeah. 6'9"? Right. Put it in the bottom right. of the basket. I mean, that, but, but that's that, my point. But, but he was... That's what I'm saying, like, because cause I will consider Chris Paul a superstar as well. He is a superstar. I right? Think. I can, and that's because... He what he brings to the table as far as his leadership, his IQ, Um, you're talking about him being available for stuff and and how tactical and surgical he is. It don't matter where he is or what's going on. Like your whole organization changes when Chris Paul walks into the building. Right. So I don't think Kawhi is that guy. I think Kawhi is a great player. I think he can, I think he come, I think he comes to give you what
1: he's going to give you and then he leaves. That's it. Yeah. I didn't say he was a superstar. I just wanted to throw that question out because you made some references in terms of like, um, you know, people being in good situations, whatever. And right now, Kawhi has a chance because of the narrative with the media that if he comes back strong next year and they make a great run in the playoffs, he'll still be listed as a superstar. Because Man. people were already putting him in the category of a KD, a LeBron, well, things hold, like that. So let's let's hold that up. All right, we
0: want to. We're here for a reason to make a distinction between what the media is saying and what the real ball is saying on our podcast. Yeah. When we talk about it, we're gonna be. We're not gonna have that bias because somebody's agent is caught. We oh, just we're, talk about what everybody really, sure. really already knows. I'm like, about,
1: but some hoopers. Long time hoopers in the NBA were saying it too. So, I, I,
0: out so, of I, who? So, people
1: were saying Cl- Other Clippers were saying it, you probably. Know, Paul Pierce, other guys were saying it too. Paul I'm Pierce just saying, will say
0: anything <laughs> opposite of what LeBron <laughs>
1: has. That's that So, but I'm just saying that from the outside looking in, you know, it's easy to see how people would say, okay, oh, why is a superstar? So, I'm saying that well, I'm giving him, I'm going to give him a fair shake and say, you know what? I personally don't think you're a superstar, but you could easily prove me wrong next year. I don't know.
0: Then man, I guess. So so you so who's that budding, those those next group of guys that is coming up that you say they're not
1: superstars? But they teeter the line, but they're not superstars. Like right? first you, you, you start know, when, you started with AD. When I was you know, and I was talking about you know, you mentioned Russ, Harden, those guys, those Steph and those guys, those are great talents. Um, but we talk about, like, superstar. You, you know, you mentioned going to an organization and everything just changes yeah. for the better. Yeah. And I don't see those guys going to any organization in the NBA and everything just changes for the better. I see them going anywhere and still doing what they do. But I don't know if they if they are enough in terms of um, what they bring on and off the court in the locker room who, who, to change. Whose name uh, are you saying specifically? Russ. James Harden, Steph Curry, and those on, guys on and off the court—they're not enough. Superstars,
0: Russ and and and
1: and, and Harden. And I mean, the thing now. So, so basically, what you're going to say to me is that in today's NBA, there's you're saying there's ten to twelve superstars then. And, and and so that means in more than any other era of the NBA, there were there there's more now than ever. Well, before.
0: I you know I come from. I mean, let's talk about this. I think, I think you old the older generation of Hoopers. I think you guys are are extremely biased. Um, and I don't think the talent level compares, right? And I'm not talking about, um, I just think just because the game naturally evolves, I think players are generally more skilled than they were in the generations before as a, as a whole, right? I think, um, I do think that I think there are more players now. Mm. But you, and I gotta can, be careful how I say this because I, I do know
1: we haven't uh, well, 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 we even
0: finished your list. But you said that you said that I think that now there's more talented players in the league than there was before, for sure, a hundred percent. I believe that to be superstars. And, and, and so, I don't, you know, when I don't know about a superstar. What I'm saying I, superstar. Like, I, my superstar. I didn't get my superstar list yet. I was waiting for you to finish. I'm y'all. just saying,
1: but a superstar is someone that we are going to talk about for the next twenty years. See, and, I, and, this, and it's going to be somebody that could be thrown in, where you're saying, "Oh, he's he's top five at that position man. of all time." That's what I'm saying. I see. I think that's different. That's like all time great.
0: Right. I don't know if that's the same as a superstar, but but you tell me, give me a list because you, you said at your four, I, I, your four solids is where it stops. Right. But where you who are those
1: guys that you say aren't superstars, but, you know, I'm saying like I said, I said again, Russ Harden, Steph, Luca, you know, um, Trey Young. Those are guys that are like that next group that. You know, that can easily step in and be yeah. superstars, but I'm not just putting them right there. Kyrie yeah. those those are guys that are right there, them, but are they are they guys that can carry man, the league?
0: Man, man, I mean, I think Luca could. I think Luca could definitely carry the league at some point. Mm, maybe, maybe not. I mean, and see, uh, Luca. If a- he got time, but Luca got a lot with him. Too. I'm like, I I could bank on him. I like Trey. So you name Steph, right? And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to hear you say, Steph, not a superstar. They're going to be upset. They're going to be upset. <laughs> you know, I might, I might be right there with you, though. I'm right there with you that I do think Steph, I think Steph is as good as he is because he is with Clay and Draymond, right? Draymond doesn't get a lot of respect from, um, the basketball world, like just the casual fans, you know, real people, real basketball guys really understand what that three headed monster is like and that the engine of that, the brains of that is Draymond, right? Draymond is the playmaker for that team. Draymond is the one that makes sure everything goes, everybody gets their touches, screens are set, you know, the presence is felt defensively and offensively. That's Draymond, right? So with, and Clay, Clay is, between the three of them, Clay would probably be the one that I think you put him anywhere in the league. It ain't gonna matter. Cause you know, Clay got size for one. Clay for me, I told you in the cars, is, is Reggie Miller two point oh like better. Cause if I've I've heard the conversations that, you know, Clay Thompson could be one that could lead his own team to the playoffs or something like that. Initially I was like, no. Clay can't dribble. Like, I, it, it's dope that you can score 60 point and only dribble four times out the entire game. That's crazy, right? That's something that, that's box office, right? That's superstar level, right? But then I'm, for me, just the way we've been seeing the NBA and, you know, everything been off the bounce and those guards having creativity. I'm like, yo, oh, there's no way, right? But then when you just think about basketball and you think about the fact that we tell our kids all the time, you, most times you really just need to be able to do one thing exceptionally well, right? Only a handful of people can dribble the way they want to dribble as many times as they want in the game, right? It might be four people on the planet that can do that, right? You ain't never going to be able to do that. You got to be just great at what you can do. And Clay, you get yourself with the right coach. Clay can score off the mid post. Clay got size. He can get to the basket. Clay catch and shoot. You said you tell me you think Clay a better shooter all the time, like all around shooter than Steph. Because of how he shoots off the top, um, catch and shoot and, and clutch time situations. But, you know, I say that Steph is only as great as he is because he's with Clay and Draymond. So for me, that's, a, that's the difference I say when I don't think he's a superstar. And on top of that, he's not a great passer. He doesn't, he's not a good defender. He had limitations offensively too. You know what I'm saying? He just does one thing better than anybody ever did it in the league, which is okay. You know what I'm saying? That's something you gotta acknowledge, but there are limitations to that. That's why KD had to come. <laughs> so we talk about that superstar list is crazy. I'm I'm actually gonna I'm gonna hold my list and I'm gonna, you know, see what our followers have to say about that superstar list that you give, and then we'll we'll come back to that. Cause I think I think we got a few people that might be up there. I don't think there's twelve. Definitely don't think there's twelve. Like, I mean, I, I, we're, there's we're already
1: here, so you. Might have I like, got to think
0: about it. I got to think see, about it because what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up a list and then I'm gonna compare it to what the old heads
1: had at that time and see see what the numbers look like and okay. see what the numbers look like. But yeah. because we we talk about. I'll mention somebody from 20 25 years ago that was in the NBA and you look at their numbers and you're like, "Whoa." And that player because he just happened to be playing with MJ and those guys whatever, mm-hmm. and you were like, "He wasn't a superstar." It's just it's just it, what I'm saying is just just yeah. different levels to this. And you um, won't but you won't look back at James Harden and say he's not a superstar. No, I didn't no what I'm saying is like what has been one of the knocks on on James Harden he don't play defense. Well, and, and he and, chokes in and he chokes in the playoffs. You know, and he's 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 20 times better than I would ever dream about being uh, uh in terms of basketball. But I'm saying a superstar uh-huh. is that guy that he gets your team as far as he can mm-hmm. until we get to the point where we know or well, yeah, they lost, but we understand why. Okay. And, and we're still not we're still not sure yet about some guys. You okay, know, and that's all okay. I'm saying. Okay, they gotta pay their dues. I three, got you. Three I different perspectives you. when I speak. I got Just you. Player, coach, and a fan. That's, that's all. too many, man. That's, that's too not, many. We don't need not. you to
0: be all of them, no, dog. Not.
1: I, mean, I don't want to. I don't want to be. I don't want to lean towards one side and and give. Um, an unbalanced perspective, but that's I okay, want to be honest. Man. That's okay, That's okay. No.
0: Listen, people do that far too often. <laughs> we don't need to be the ones to be responsible, at least yeah. with this, because we know better, right? Yeah. Like, you can go ahead and lean on to that, man. <laughs> that's cool, though. That's, that superstar comedy is interesting anyway, because, you know, you hear, I hear people say stuff like, Mello, not a superstar. Mello wasn't a superstar. You know, that's f- false. You know, Melo carried the Denver organization for eight years, right? So, that's an interesting topic. That's more so like fan speak, just to have some fun to talk about. But guys are guys. Guys, if you if you look across and you see one of them wolves, you know, right? You know it as a Hooper, right? But we'll get to that point to where we talk about. um We we'll bring it back to to grassroots because we talk about superstars and basketball and all those things. All of them guys had to start somewhere, right? They had to start it as some experience level or something like that and being here in in the UAE where basketball is not that popular. And it's not that popular because people don't want to play, it's because they don't see it often, right? It's not really on, it's not on TV as much. It's not um an entertainment event like it is for us at home, right? There aren't many there aren't any people really putting together quality basketball events that we're used to, the ones that make people fall in love with the culture of basketball, right? So then what that what that brings is you only have a small percentage of people playing basketball. When everybody's really, really interested, but they only see it as people like play it to for, for a profession or something like that. So you get parents that ask, are, are my kids good enough? Do they have enough experience to be playing? Like, you know, and, and they're doing it like just humbly, just like out of concern. I don't want my kid to feel embarrassed because everybody else is good or, you know, I think part of that too is because, um, some, some coaches, and I, I think this is something too. I, I see a lot of coaches that show off working out kids that are already good. Right? Like, they working out kids that already got game. Like, it's easy. Everything takes some work, but it's a lot easier to throw a move out there and you tell them, all right, in and out cross, I want you to hesitate here, step back here, probe, 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 pocket pass. It's easy to do that and say those things. when you don't have to put that in in terms for an eight-year-old, right, who's never watched basketball before. But what we say out there to the parents that are concerned that – my kid isn't experienced enough or they're worried about, you know, them not being good
1: at it at first? Well, I, first I'd say, um, you know, don't don't concern yourself so much with um, whether or not your kid is at the same level as someone else because you don't know when, you know, the, that other kid had a chance to, um, to get started. Um, you know, second, I'm going to say, you know, Put yourself in a try to find try to put your kid in a situation where um, they're going to be in a a nurturing, but yet um, uh, high impact environment where there's going to be a a lot of expected of your kid, but also um, your kid is going to be pushed um, at the pace that's best for them. Um, And you know, I can't speak for other organizations, whatever, but you know, here at Hoot Mountain, you know, we don't care what your skill level is. We're going to try to work with you in terms of what's best for you um, and and your pace because we want you to develop um, as a basketball player. But at the same time, we want to make sure that, you know, you're learning the game, but you're having fun. If you're not having fun, you're not going to want to come back. You're not going to be interested.
0: Yeah, it's like... um I think sometimes I I get upset about seeing it, but like when you advertise to kids or parents that you're gonna make your their kid the best basketball player to ever play, or you're gonna do any of those things. Like like for one like like we'll say we'll say now cuz we'll expand upon this as we start to go like our sole purpose of being here in Dubai is just to expand the game of basketball. We're not competing with any other companies. We're not trying to be better than any other companies. We're just trying to be who we are, impact the community around us and then just grow the game of basketball. Our our sole purpose is to take basketball from being the mo- number 8 most popular sport in the UAE behind like cricket and, and, and badminton and all those things. And, and let's make it number four in three years. And then number two in two years behind football. Right. And, and that means that we we get realistic expectations. Like basketball is an art, right? Like you're an artist and your body is the tool. Everybody can't move the way a basketball player moves, right? That's not something that you should ask of everybody, but everybody that plays basketball, even with their limitations should be able to enjoy it. Right. So I know um you I watch I've been watching you do it for years, you know, just getting the most out of somebody, getting the most out of what somebody can give. Right. And for me, I just follow suit and just tell any parent, like we just want them to fall in love with playing like the kid, the player themselves has to make the decision that they want to take basketball further. Right. We're not going to you know, tell you come to Hoop Mountain so you can be a pro. We don't make that decision for you. We we know what it looks like to get there, but you got to make the decision that you're going to make those sacrifices to be that. Until then, we're going to teach you the fundamentals. We're going to make sure that you're well-rounded. We're going to make sure that when you step on the court, you know what's going on. You can handle yourself well. And then from there, you know, we're just going to have fun. you are going to have fun. Basketball is one of the most beautiful things, period, right? One of the most beautiful things to watch to experience, but we don't want people to have to worry about whether or not I'm going to be good enough. Right? Right. That's tough, man. You know, because coach, what you like, 45, 50, something like that, you still getting it in? (laughs) Yeah? Trying to make it run, man? Yeah. That ain't bad at all. But yeah, any of those parents that, that are worried about whether or not their kid is good enough or even them themselves, and they're like, maybe it's too late for me to do this. Like, That's not your concern, man. Just, you shouldn't even be worried about that. Just come out and play. Um, you know, when it's, whenever it's time, if you're an elite talent, if you're a talent that can take yourself, like there, are, cause there are a few that we've met that can go and play in states and college somewhere. You know, we throw the idea out there, but it's their decision, right? And once they make the decision after you've told them what has to be done, then we can take it further. But besides that, we're going to make sure we teach you the right way. It's a whole culture behind basketball. It's not, you know, just a sport just to be here. Like, it's a culture. Like, no other sports influences politics, fashion, music, and and media as a whole like basketball does, right? So, people need to be able to experience that. Um, But that's all I got, big guy. I know I wrapped it up. I was sounding like Shannon Sharp or something, getting crazy over there. Yeah. I'll let you wrap. What you got for me with the post-game wrap-up?
1: Um, you know, just, uh, kind of piggybacking on what you said, you know, we want people to come in, experience the game, fall in love with it, and then you'll, will, you'll will make the decision for yourselves whether or not, um, you want to pursue it, um, in a more serious manner, which we can help guide you in that, or if you want to just continue, uh, learning the game, um, and having fun with it and, you know, just being a part of your, you know, your everyday life, um, because, you know, there's guys, that, um, you know, 45, 46, 47 years old, still meet at the YMCA on Saturday mornings and um, try to kill each other for a couple of hours to play the game just because they love it. Um, And and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm one of those guys right now. So, um, you know, just whatever you want to do, just make sure you enjoy it and um, the rest will take care of itself. Always, always, always a good gym there.
0: Um, And for me... I would just like to share, um, you know, keep going, right? That's one of those things that I've been saying to myself, my family, my friends, um, just keep going. You know, sometimes you get into a spot to where it's like, ah, I'm not sure what it looks like going forward, but you just keep going. You know, the the work is always worth it, You. You never know when your opportunity is going to come, but you got to make sure you keep working so that when it does come, you're prepared for that opportunity. Um, besides that, you know, thank you guys. Uh, you know, I'm it's episode two, right? This is like this is dope. Like to be in the middle of like building a business internationally, right? Together, and then also like building a podcast simultaneously. It's like our little chronicle, our little journal in the meantime um again for everybody that's in the UAE you if you want to get basketball instructions if you want to just build with us and grow with us as we start to you know venture off into bigger things you can follow us on Instagram at hoop mountain dxb um if you are you know we have WhatsApp as well on our Instagram you can directly talk to us through there you can also contact us through our website at HoopMountain.ae. Again, that's HoopMountain.ae. Last go around, I gave you guys the wrong one. So this time we're getting it right. HoopMountain.ae. Um, and as far as the podcast goes, we are hosted through Captivate.fm. You can listen directly on there. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at A-Yates, and that's A Y E Y A T S and the link in my bio will lead you directly to um, Bridging the Gap's podcast. Also follow us at Bridging the Gap underscore podcast, no, excuse me, at Bridging the Gap underscore, that's it, on Instagram, um, and then we are on YouTube as well, same thing, Bridging the Gap podcast bridging the gap that's it and then you can catch us on soundcloud spotify apple Podcasts, amazon music and everywhere else uh, that's it for today thank you see you next week and keep going